Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. So clarity in the chaos. I mean, that kind of seems like a really good sermon series title as we start 2024. I mean, because nobody, I mean, tell me, nobody has chaos in their lives, right? Raise your hand if you don't, because I'm going to, yeah, bull, right? If you're like me, I've got four kids and life can get sometimes chaotic, right? Uh, there's oftentimes we ask ourselves questions we, that we don't, we don't know the answers to because life gets chaotic. We don't understand things. Our church, for example, we're going through a pastor search right now. We, we have questions of what's gonna happen next? Who's gonna be the pastor? Who's gonna be the lead? Who's gonna be out here? There's questions that we can't ask or that we can't understand right now. Clarity in the chaos. As we move forward together as a church, that is kind of our theme for 24, moving forward together. God is good, God is still good. He is always going to be good to his people. And so one thing that I wanna start by doing this, this morning is talking about some of the wins that we had in 2023. Is that, is that okay for, you, for us? Let's, let's say this, so here's a few 2023 stats. In 2023, we had over 240 families visit Second Baptist as a whole uh, this past year. I mean, that's pretty awesome, right? What's even better is 102 of those families joined Second pa- Baptist over the past year. 102 families. So God is still moving in our church and through our church and inviting people to come to our church. It's, it's, it's awesome. 42 baptisms over this past year. 42 times we got to celebrate with somebody as they experience life change uh, that God brings. We had over 50 members go out on mission this past year. Over 50 members, whether students or college students or adults, go on one of our mission trips over the past year. 50 members on mission. God is still moving in our church. And to cap it off, to end uh, 2023 in November at our church conference, the church as a whole voted to buy 18.73 acres here in Greenbrier to build a permanent location for our church. God is still moving. Can we celebrate that, right? And we, and actually this past week, the city council gave us the, the thumb of approval, right? They said, yes, we're good. You can have the special use permit. So we are about to purchase that land. God is going, he, he's going to do some great things through our church in 2024. And I can just see it. But clarity in the chaos. When we ask ourselves the questions of why, of what is this for God brings those answers to light. And so we're gonna be in Genesis today. And actually we were supposed to start uh, the series of Genesis back in December. If you're new with us here, we follow a curriculum called Explore the Bible. Our small groups all across our campuses uh, and our preaching schedule follows Explore the Bible. So small groups are going through the same text that we are on Sunday morning here. And so we were supposed to start in December. uh, So I've gotta do a little bit of catch up this morning if that's okay. So we're going to start in Genesis 6, 13, and we're going to read this verse, and then we're going to see what is going on. So Genesis 13, it'll be up on the board, or you can follow along in your phone or, or your Bible. It says this, it says, then God said to Noah, 
I have decided to put an end to every creature for the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. Now, I'm gonna pause here for just a second because if you're looking at this verse for the very first time, if you're new to church, if you're new to opening your Bible or you're a new Christian or never even heard the name of Jesus before and you're reading this verse for the very first time, it's gonna blow your mind because you're like, okay, how did we get to this point, right? God's saying, I'm gonna put an end to every creature. So where did we get to, the, how did we get to this point in the creation story, in the story of humanity? So like I said, I'm gonna catch up. We're gonna start in the beginning. So Genesis chapter one, and it will not be up on the board so you'll have to follow along in your Bibles. It says this, it says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse three, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was, answer that for me, what is that word? Good. Okay. God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, the darkness he called night, and there was evening, there was morning the first day. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the water. The God made, then God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the expanse heavens, and there was evening, there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And I'm going to skip. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heaven. He created two great lights, one to guide us by day and one to guide us by night, the sun and the moon. Uh, and God saw that it was good. We see this pattern here, right? There was evening, there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, every living creature that moves. Uh, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And finally, it says this, it says, and then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God saw that everything he had made and behold, it was very good. If you look and you read back seven times in this passage, seven times in the scripture, God sees his creation, God sees what he did and he saw that it was good, even concluded that it was very good. Now, the verse that I read beginning because said that everything was wicked, right? So how did we get from very good to wicked? I mean, God created the earth, created everything, and created the world for us to have communion with him, for that relationship with him. And he saw that it was good, and everything that he had set up for us was perfect in his eyes. It was good. Genesis chapter three, it goes on. We see the fall of man. 
We see where sin enters the world. Adam and Eve, they're, they're put in a garden and, and God says, you can have anything in this garden. You're to take care of my land. You're to take care of my livestock, everything in it. You can eat of anything in the garden except for the tree in the center of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Gives them one rule. We know the story. Adam and Eve walking in the garden, the serpent comes and tempts Eve saying, hey, God just don't want you to take of this because he don't want you to be like him. If you eat of the tree, you'll be like the gods. And, and Eve takes of the fruit and Eve eats and turns and gives to the man. Sin enters the world. Destruction is coming. Their eyes were open. They were like the gods and they became like the gods in the fact that they saw what good and evil was. was. Their eyes were open. They realized that they were naked. They realized that, that this wasn't right and they, started, they began to feel things that they have never felt before. God cast them out of the garden and said, you're going to experience pain. You're gonna experience the destruction. You're gonna experience everything that sin brings along with. Chapter four childbirth happens, we see Cain and Abel, we see this story of two brothers and, and both bringing forth their, their offerings to God. Cain brings forth his fruit, Abel brings forth the firstborn, the best of his livestock. The difference there was the attitudes behind it. At Abel gave everything that he had, he gave the best, and Cain didn't, he just gave his fruit. God accepted Abel's, he didn't accept Cain. Cain had this vengeful, this prideful attitude and killed his brother, Abel. We see in scripture that sin is becoming increasingly, increasingly worse. Chapter five, is, is, it's a great chapter of the lineage from, from Adam to Noah. And if you read through, it's, it's really interesting because it tells how long each person lived, over a thousand years between Adam and Noah. And there's one guy in there in particular that I really want to get to know, Enoch. He's the only one there in that passage that says Enoch walked with God and God took him. There's two people in, in scriptures that God took that did not die, Enoch and Elijah. I want to know about their life. I wanna know what they did, how they walked with God because one, I mean, I wanna be known as somebody that walks with God. So very interesting passage of scripture. And then it gets to chapter six where we pick up today. In verses five through seven, it says this, when the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. He's looking at the hearts of people. He's looking at the minds of the people of that time. He's saying that every thought, everything in their heart was evil all the time. That's where we're at. That's where we're picking up. And I don't know if you're like me, I'm a movie guy, and it, honestly, I haven't watched this movie, but there, have you ever heard of the movie The Purge? It's a movie about this one day a year where all the people have this opportunity to do what is ever in their heart. They can kill, steal, destroy, anything that they want without consequence. And it all come about because this psychologist says, hey, we can't hold the wickedness inside of our heart. We have to let it out. We have to be able to have one day that we, we experience that and we can just let it go. And this is what the purge is about. 
But this is what is happening all the time in the time of Noah. This is their hearts, their minds at all times. This is how they lived. It goes on to say, the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth. He was deeply grieved. Verse seven, then the Lord said, I will wipe mankind from whom I created off the face of the earth together with the animals, creatures that crawl, the birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. I mean, just think about that for a second. I've got four kids, and, and, and a lot of you have families and have kids of your own. Can you imagine a scenario where your kids are so bad, where they are so evil, they do bad and they do wrong all the time that you regret even making them? That you regret having them? I mean, sure, my kids mess up, they, they sin. We are all sinners, right? We all mess up, my kids mess up. And there's times where you just get them, right? I know I'm not alone in that. But there's no thought that has ever crossed my mind or I can't imagine a thought where I would say, I regret having you. But that's where God was. That is his thoughts, that is his emotions at this time. He regretted even creating mankind. The story goes on in chapter six, eight. It says, Noah, however, found favor with the Lord. Noah found favor with the Lord and that's where our story picks up this morning as we read 13. And I want you to understand this this morning. I want you to understand one thing. If you don't get anything else, this is what I want you to get. God hates sin, but he loves to save. God hates sin, but he loves to save. Let me pray for us and we'll continue. God, you are, you are good. As we're answering these questions of why you had to destroy the, the earth with the flood and, and looking into this passage, God, I pray that you speak through me, God, that you open our minds to understand your word. Help us to understand so we can apply it to our lives, God. We thank you for your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So God hates sin, but loves to save. This is where we pick up. Genesis 6, 13, then God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to every creature for the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. And I can continue right there and, and tell the rest of the story. The rest of the story is God gives him the commands. Hey, Noah, I need you to build an ark. I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring rain, right? I'm gonna bring a flood. I'm gonna destroy everything with it. So you're gonna build this ark you're gonna build it this way. You're gonna use this wood. You're gonna gather some animals around uh, with you and take them. I'm gonna close the door on all humanity. He begins to give these instructions and we'll look at those over the next couple weeks. But we know that story. And, but we need to understand the why behind this story of Noah's Ark. We need to understand how we got there. And, and I believe there's this misconception as we're growing up and hearing the story of what the story is about. As kids, I can remember thinking, okay, Noah. Noah's the savior of the story, right? And we, we see Noah and he's the one that's up there. And, and it's kind of amazing. It, it kind of amazes me. This is a picture that we paint on the, the walls of our children's rooms, right? But it's also a picture of one of the most gruesome things the Bible has. So we misunderstand this story. We fail and miss the true point of the story. And the, story, the point is that God hates sin. 
That's the whole reason why we have Noah and the flood in, in the first place is God hates sin. And as I was thinking back over this past week and, and looking at the scriptures, I'm thinking about the sin that I have in my life or over the years and I'm thinking, okay, how does God feel about this? I realized two things, that our sin hurts God and the word for grief here is the same word that he uses for pain and childbearing. So yes, our sin pains God. Our sin hurts ourselves and others around us, but when, when was the last time that we thought about how God feels about our sin? Because our sin hurts God. And yes, he does feel emotion. Scripture tells us that he feels emotions such as joy, disgust, jealousy, anger, grief, compassion. The list goes on and on. And we can't make him feel a certain way. We can't say, God, I'm gonna pull this out of you. But do, he does respond to his children with emotion. He does respond to our actions with emotion. So when we hurt him, it pains him and he feels that pain. See, God hates sin and what we need to understand is our sin will be judged. Our sin will be judged. Romans 6, 23 says this. It says the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. Your sin will be judged. But the gift of God is eternal life. That's where I love this story. Because ultimately this story, in this story, God made two choices with the flood. He made two choices, one choice of judgment and the other of salvation. See, God hates sin, but he loves to save. And that's where Noah comes into play here in our story. Genesis 5 through 8, there's this question of why God chose Noah. And I really want to be clear to you. We could read the first few verses of this chapter, but it is a very challenging few verses, right? You can read about the Nephilim. You can read about the sons of God, all this stuff. And I could answer these questions, but I might not be right. So I encourage you to go back and read this for yourself and study this section of scripture because there's a lot of good stuff in it. So we often misinterpret this. And often the, the story of Noah is told this way, that all men were wicked except for Noah, and if you were a wicked man, God is gonna punish you, and if you were a good man, then you're gonna be saved. And that's, that's what we hear from this story oftentimes, but I wanna be honest. If we're thinking of it this way, and, and we're thinking, okay, all we gotta do is be good, and, and, and act good, and do good things, and not just not be wicked, and we're gonna be okay. If that's the way our thinking is, we're wrong. This is a false teaching. This teaching is different than the rest of the scriptures that teach like Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. For by grace you are saved through faith. Not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So if we are sitting there saying to ourselves that we just gotta be good and we're okay, it is not about us. It is not about anything that we do, any action that we do, anything. It's not just coming to church on Sunday. It's not going through the motions. Those things are works-based salvations. We are not gonna get to heaven on works-based salvation. It is by the grace of God, it is the gift of God, not works, lest anyone should boast. And five through seven states this, this total depravity of everyone on earth with one of the most negative and, and gruesome declarations about human sin in all of scripture. 
fact that we're told that God saw every person was evil all the time and God was grieved. This statement does include Noah. Noah was one of those people. He was one of the wicked men. That's what we have to understand. And Genesis 6, 8 explains, though, the process by which God chose to save and bless Noah. It says this, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. See, Noah didn't begin as a righteous man but rather he began as a sinner as bad as anyone else on the earth in his day. And not the, the only difference we see between Noah and the, the sinners of that day is Noah found favor in God's eyes. He found grace. See, favor here is the Hebrew word for grace. And because everyone was a sinner in Noah's day, just like everyone is a sinner today, in our day, God had no good person to work through to accomplish his plan of redemption. So God worked as he always does by saving an undeserving person, that is Noah. Saving him through grace and enabling him to live a righteous life as taught in Genesis chapter six, verse nine. Then explains the effects of God's grace to Noah. It says, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. God, there's that, those words again. He walked with God. I want to be known as a man that walks with God. See, Noah was blameless and righteous, but Noah was only this sort of man because God saved him. God changed him. He gave him a grace and empowered him to live this new life of obedience to him. See, once made a believer by God's grace, God began to speak directly to Noah. He gave him commands to obey. And that command was, hey, build an ark because I'm gonna kill everything. He's showing him the judgment that he was bringing to sinners. Now, let me tell you this. This is the same for you and me. When we meet Jesus, we're empowered to do the same thing. We are empowered to live blameless, to walk blameless and righteousness with God. Now we ask ourselves the question, will we mess up? The answer is yes. We will mess up. That's part of our sin nature. That's part of what happened when sin entered the world in Genesis chapter three. We will mess up, we will sin, but that is where grace comes into play. Man, as I started reading this story earlier this week, I thought it was gonna be an easy story of telling the story of Noah and the ark. But no, we, we see judgment because of sin and salvation because of grace. I said it before, God hates sin, but loves to save. God hates sin, but loves to save. So how does this relate to us today? How do we move forward from this? There's two prophecies in the New Testament that I'm gonna look at real quick that, that refer back to Noah and the ark. And you'll see a lot of times when Noah, you'll see every time in the New Testament when Noah is mentioned, it talks about destruction. It talks about the end time. Second Peter 3, Verses three through seven, it says this, above all, beware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires, saying, where is he coming that he promised? Where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things will continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. He's, first off, he's saying, hey, scoffers are gonna come, so you gotta get ready. 
as before Noah scoffers. There are gonna be people that's gonna be laughing at you. There's gonna be people making fun. Can you imagine Noah every single day, the 120 years that he built this ark, every single day going to build and, and preaching repentance and, and they're laughing, they're saying, what are you doing? Why are you here in the desert building this huge boat because you're saying rain is gonna come? What is rain even, right? They never experienced that before. Scoffers will come in the last days. It says they deliberately overlooked this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago and the earth was brought about from water and through water. Through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth are stored up for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction for the ungodly. There's two judgments. We've already seen one with the flood. Water was the first judgment. And you see from Genesis chapter one to Genesis chapter six, over a thousand years where God was patiently waiting. He was patiently, he was watching the people grow increasingly wicked until he had enough. The first judgment, water. And you see what's been happening over the last several thousand years. He is being even more patient with his children now. And he has stored up a judgment of fire waiting for us, waiting for the day of judgment and destruction for the ungodly. The second prophecy comes from Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 37. It says, as the days of Noah were, so the coming of son of man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. In other words, the conditions of the world before the coming of Jesus will be like the conditions of the world before the flood. Genesis 6.1, exploding population. Sexual perversion in 6.2, demonic activity in 6.2, constant evil in the hearts of man in 6.5, widespread corruption and violence in verse 11. See, these are the days that we are living in. There is a judgment. I'm gonna tell you, there is a judgment coming. And we didn't expect to get this from this message, but I want us to understand that judgment is coming and there is a day where God is going to shut the door on all of humanity a day of judgment and destruction for the ungodly. God hates sin, but loves to save. There is clarity in the chaos. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.